Okay, so let's get the mood going here. Imagine it. The coffee machine is bubbling and gurgling away in the corner. A fire is crackling in the hearth. Yes, I know it's summer, just go with it. The smell of musty paper and the subtle sweetness of vanilla is in the air. And you're gathered with some of your closest friends to talk about your latest find. I'm Ray and welcome to another episode of Not Before Coffee, The Bookshop, where I talk about my most recent reads and possibly encourage you to pick up a copy. So this week I'm actually talking about a book that was released relatively recently. In fact, on the 4th of May 2021. It's Cursed Luck by Kelly Armstrong. I have to admit that back in the day, not that long ago really, I devoured everything that Kelly wrote. I have read all of the Other World series, which was originally called Women of the Other World. And that series started with the stories of Eleanor and Clay in Bitten. But then, for some reason, I just stopped. The last book in that series, 13, was released in 2012. But I had started to lose interest in the books a little bit before that because they'd moved away from the characters that I had grown to love and I couldn't help feeling the world had become just a little bit too large and ungainly. All that said, I do love her style of writing and I told myself that if anything ever called to me I wasn't going to ignore it purely because a few of the books in a series I loved were not my cup of tea. Hey you can't please all the people all the time right? That's how the saying goes. It's actually odd how I came across this book in the first place if I'm honest. I was going through a bit of a reading dry patch towards the early part of this year and struggling to come up with new things to read. I can easily just revisit my favourites, and I've done that several times, and ignore new books altogether, but that just means I end up stuck in a reread rut. And anyone who loves reading will tell you that never proves to be a good thing. So I was randomly selecting authors from my shelves, which I have posted on Instagram before. I might well do another revisit raised bookcases <laughs> trip at some point and looking to see if any new books were being released by them. When I came across Kelly Armstrong's page, I saw that she'd just released a new book. But having read the summary, I immediately knew it wasn't something that I was going to enjoy. It was a thriller. And no matter how many I've read by authors I like, Julie Garwood's turned to that, and of course, Nora Roberts writes as J.D. Robb, I just can't seem to find anything in that particular genre that I enjoy. This is quite sad really because at one point I really loved reading the intricate plots created by Agatha Christie. But to be fair, those are less thriller and more kind of cottage crime, I suppose. Is that the term people use today? The fact that this other book was also the sixth in a series put me off just a bit more. Not that I have anything against a series of books, (laughs) really not at all, I mean I've got loads of them, but the sixth in a series of thrillers that I hadn't read one of, yeah, not really for me. As I continued down the list of books by Armstrong that I hadn't read, 
and there is a considerable number. I started to count them yesterday and when I reached 30 I knew that I'd gone far enough. The cover of Cursed Luck stood out. It was brightly coloured, looked as though it would have a much lighter tone than others that were on the same page. And then I saw the release date and noticed it wasn't going to be coming out for another three months. So I pre-ordered it. Funny things can happen in three months, and by the time this book actually auto-downloaded onto my Kindle, I had forgotten all about it. The summary that was available at the time was incredibly brief, and though it had apparently been available on her site as a series, I hadn't read it because, as I said, I hadn't read her stuff in a while. Before I get into my review of Cursed Lark, I am going to go a little bit into my history with Kelly Armstrong books. I can't remember who recommended them to me, though I think it may have been a friend called Amy. I'm not going to bet on it. Anyway, I read Bitten way back when it first came out in 2001, and I loved it. Eleanor and Clay, and Jeremy for that matter, were characters who were strong but vulnerable, caring but aloof, and so real despite being creatures in fantasy. This book was different. It was released during season three of Buffy, and the reviews backed up that it was a strong first outing. Armstrong's true achievement is her depiction of werewolf nature in believably human context was just one of the reviews. I joined forums, and back in the day when this was all new, even authors got involved. It was, it was really fun. Anyway, flash forward 20 years, and oh god, I can't believe it's been that long. I haven't read a book by Kelly Armstrong in nearly a decade, and I found myself clicking onto this book pretty much as soon as it downloaded, even though I didn't remember purchasing it. I was curious as to what I had purchased, and if I would still enjoy her writing as much as I did 10 years earlier. Kennedy Bennett comes from a long line of curse weavers, for centuries, her family has plied their trade in Unstable, Massachusetts, an unconventional small town that's welcomed paranormal practitioners since the dawn of spiritualism. Kennedy has recently struck out on her own, opening an antique shop in Boston where her specialty is uncursing and reselling hexed objects. Then Aidan Connolly walks into her life with an offer she really should refuse. The scion of a wealthy family of luck workers, Aidan has a scheme to get his hands on the most famous cursed object of all, the mythical Necklace of Harmonia. He's not the only one after the necklace though, and he's not the only one looking for a curse weaver to fix it. Kennedy's sisters are kidnapped and she finds herself plunged into the underbelly of the magical world where even Aidan is in over his head. As I mentioned in my previous episode, I am not about the spoilers. I think that if you're going to read a book, you don't want someone to immediately blurt out the ending. But what I am going to do is lay out the stuff I liked, what I didn't, and what I felt about the book itself. So here goes. As with any book by Kelly Armstrong, she really knows how to create characters that you can identify with, even if you can't identify with their specific roles in life. Seriously, how many of you actually know a real curse weaver? Because I don't think I do. In fact, no, I, I don't. <laughs> However, I could quite easily see myself enjoying a coffee and a chat with Kennedy Bennett. She's a 25-year-old curse weaver trying to make it on her own. 
having moved out of the family home in small town Unstable, which is spelled unstable, by the way, and headed to Boston not long after the death of her mother. She's the middle child of three, and though she knows she has the skill, she is incredibly aware of the fact that her skills differ from the ones her siblings, Annie and Hope, possess. Despite being powerful, she is not one to brag, she's incredibly humble, but she's not above using the skills she has accrued to ensure the safety of the people she loves. When she is pulled into something she is neither prepared for nor confident about having the ability to cope with, she puts on a really brave face and pushes through it using sarcasm and jokes to get past things that are uncomfortable, sure that she is going to need more than gumption by the end of the adventure. Aidan Connolly is sort of the reverse black sheep of his family. They are luck workers who have made a lot of money plying their trade but they also tend to deal with the slightly greyer side of things, while Aiden likes to play the white hat, making money relatively legitimately through an insurance business and avoiding getting involved with his family's more criminal endeavours. Because of this, he is also the more responsible member of his family and the one that they turn to when there's a problem they are unable to resolve using more questionable means. In this instance, he has been tasked with getting his younger brother, Rian, out of trouble. And this is what leads him to Kennedy's door in the first place. One of the things that I really love about Kennedy and Aiden is that it's not a case of love at first sight, or even like for that matter, though Kennedy is not going to deny that there is something intriguing about Aiden when he first walks into her store. He stands there looking down at me, way down. He's not overly tall, maybe 5'8 or 9, but Connolly is one of those guys who could manage to look down their nose at someone standing at eye level. The smell of old Boston money wafts from him like fine cologne, and from his expression, my perfume is clearly odour-working class. It doesn't help that Connolly is a ginger. I know that's usually an insult, but I have a thing for redheads, especially ones like this with red gold hair and eyes the colour of new grass and just the barest suggestion of freckles across the nose. Partially due to the way that he behaves, his superiority and belief that he can treat her like an employee rather than an equal, and also due to the fact that he is a red-headed luck worker with Irish ancestry, Kennedy manages to get his back up relatively quickly by telling him that she's never met a leprechaun before and believe me, during this scene, he goes into a very long spiel as to why I am not a bloody leprechaun. He goes into his ancestry and everything to explain, no, look, I'm, I'm Roman. I'm not Irish. I'm not a leprechaun. Leprechauns don't exist. He's very definitive about that. The fact that Aidan comes to her with an attitude already in place really doesn't help his case. But when she is reluctantly forced into working with him because they suddenly have a goal in common, or at least parts of their end mission are similar enough that it makes sense for them to work together, they have to put their animosity aside for their safety. Though it's very clear that Kennedy and Aiden are the lead protagonists in this book, we do get introduced to other characters along the way, leading up to a surprise twist that there were very small hints at throughout being fair, I saw them, but believed them to be completely insignificant in the scheme of things. 
If there is one thing that frustrated me with this novel, it was the fact that we got to meet a number of characters. And while they were in the story for a considerable period of time, we didn't actually get to know much about them. For example, we meet Annie, who is Kennedy's older sister, and her full name is Tirani, which seems an unusual choice when the other two siblings are called Kennedy and Hope. But some things are unexplainable. It's made clear that she has a thing for Jonathan, though neither of them has made any moves to make it further than friendship. She is the more sensible of the three sisters, the one who will make logical decisions and tries to play more by the rules. So she's kind of like the Aiden of the family. When Annie and Hope are kidnapped, Annie is the one who escapes and immediately gets in touch with Kennedy to come and collect her from some random gas station in the middle of nowhere. Jonathan King is from Unstable and has been friends with Annie forever. It's very clear that he feels more for her than simple friendship, but he never pushes it further than that, seeming satisfied to just spend time in her company. He's a librarian, and for that reason alone, the three sisters often joke that he is their Giles, the one who happily does all their research for them. He keeps a database of everything in the world that may affect the Curse Weaver side of the Bennett girls' lives and is quick to provide them with the information when they need it. He's kind of like their encyclopedia, including when he is introduced to a dismissive Aiden for the first time and reels off all the information he has been able to find about Aiden's family. Hope is the youngest of the Bennett sisters and we don't get to see much of her in the book at all. We're introduced to her through a phone conversation and a text disagreement at the beginning of the book. And though she is mentioned several times because she is the one who remains in the kidnapper's custody, she is referred to as the youngest and the prettiest of the sisters. It's clear that she is set quite a few years younger than Kennedy. She's old enough to drive, but not old enough to drink. So it places her somewhere between 18 and 20. She is the perfect leverage to encourage Kennedy to do what they want her to, being the youngest and the most vulnerable sister. We do meet some other characters along the way, including Vanessa, Marius, Hector and Havoc. And this is where the twist comes into play. Sure, mythology is mentioned quite a few times whenever there is talk about the origins of the Bennett family curse-weaving abilities which they believe come from the Greek Airy, who were, according to my searching on the Pantheon website, female spirits of curses, particularly of the curses placed by the dead upon those guilty of their death. They were associated with the underworld. However, we find ourselves in the middle of a subtle battle of the Greek gods. I'm not going to explain who, how or why, or even when it occurs, but there are hints throughout there are several different layers of plot in this book, and while some didn't come as any surprise due to my familiarity with other books by Armstrong, there was one mentioned above that had me checking back through previous chapters when it came up, as I truly thought I must have missed something vital. That's not to say that it was unpleasant or that it didn't work in the story, but it was a huge surprise that was totally unexpected. 
After I finished the book, I did end up going down the rabbit hole though when it came to research. And this is just one of my many foibles when it comes to books. I started with the airy and ended up somewhere in the Tales of Circe. And I'm not completely sure how I got there. I really have no idea at all. The book ended on a little bit of a cliffhanger, but I am assured that there is another book in the series coming next year. And if there is one thing that I have learned about Kelly Armstrong, it's that deadlines are important. So this won't be another LJ Smith debacle. I'm still waiting for book 10 of the Night World series and book nine came out in 1999. So here comes the question and answer part. Did I enjoy it? I did. I didn't feel the attachment to the characters that I thought I would, but it was well written and there were moments that had me laughing and moments that had me frustrated, but it was a good read that I think many would enjoy if they like the worlds that Kelly Armstrong can create. Will I read it again? I may skim read it before the next one is released. The sequel has already been given a title, High Jinx, and is due to come out next summer, so it's possible I will need a bit of a refresher by that point. There is also a brief continuation coming out this summer as a short story in a collection called Hex on the Beach. It's released on July the 1st this year. Would I recommend it to other readers? Yes. As I've already said, if you like urban fantasy and have enjoyed anything previously written by Kelly Armstrong, then this is a good choice for you. This is actually a little less serious and dark than the previous books I have read by her. So, there it is. The most recent release from Kelly Armstrong, Cursed Luck. If you like her writing or fancy a book that is light-hearted fun, then this is one for you. The last cup has gone in the dishwasher. The closed sign has been turned round. So it's time to end this, the second episode of The Bookshop. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll come back for more. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family and please post a review on Podchaser. I love reading what you have to say. You can follow me on Twitter at need underscore three underscore mugs or on Instagram at notbeforecoffeepodcast. I have to go and pick another book from the shelf for next week and settle down with another cup of coffee. Until next time, this is me saying farewell. Farewell.